Welcome to the Holy Spirit's Curriculum of Joy podcast. My name is Wanaka Oberhuber, and I'm your host. My guest today is Veronica Drake. Hi. Hi. It's such a pleasure to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And I have to say, this is a first for me. So uh, doing it like this. So hopefully I've got it all down. So everything's looking fine to me. So I would like to start with the beautiful question that gives you a lot of space to share. So how did you come to see the world the way you do today? Well, that certainly is a beautiful question and <laughs> expansive for sure. I believe that every experience we've ever had forms who we are in the present moment. And I had a very eclectic background. Um, I was raised in a non-spiritual, non-religious, there wasn't a God, not because no one believed in it, just because no one talked about it. So Christmas was Santa Claus, Easter was the Easter Bunny, that kind of thing. Um, alcoholism, uh, mental illness were very rampant, were, were the foundation of, of how I was raised and what I was raised in. And uh, struggled a lot with where I fit in in the world, not having any formal belief and being told stories by people who loved me, uh, such as I wasn't good enough, I wasn't smart enough, I wasn't pretty enough. Um, I began to think a certain way about myself, the way most people do. And I slowly, over time, like most people do, took on the identity of the tribe, so to speak, that raised me, the culture that raised me, and um, grew into um, a very selfish, entitled, or thought I was entitled individual um, who was really a victim in my mind. Um, it wasn't until 1996, uh, November, that I went to take my life that I like to refer to that as the time I was saved. Uh, when you talk religion, you know, being saved means one thing. But in this instance, um, I was literally saved. I was crashing, going to crash my car. I was careening very intentionally towards the side of a bridge. Um, I had hurt a lot of people. I had mostly hurt myself had done some really bad things that I was highly ashamed of and was quite frankly angry at the higher power. I used the word God, but I didn't really understand it. And I gave uh, God the ultimatum, <laughs> uh, being uh, uh, entitled as I was. Um, if, I, if I'm to live, you better do something because I'm out of here. And as 
I spoke those words with a few um, not very nice adjectives in there. Um, I felt this incredible warmth come into my car, a warmth like I'd never felt before. There was, and I get very emotional talking about this. There was a, a security. There was a, a familiarity in this warmth. And I, I almost felt like the, the car was so full, I had to bring my arms together so that I could fit, so there was room for me. Um, I heard, we've got you. And in that moment, my pant leg was pulled off the accelerator. My hands were clenching the wheel. I was shaking nonstop. And as quickly as it came, the warmth dissipated externally, but it never left inside of me. There was this tingly, warm feeling. And I didn't really know what it was. Um, I sat there for a while. I sobbed. Uh, first of all, I was angry. Why am I still here? All right. Then I remembered the words I said, if I'm supposed to be here. Okay. And then it all came back to me. Prior to that, my life, you know how they say like your life flashes before your eyes, right before you're ready to, to go home. Well, I could see aspects of this life and who I was, almost like I was watching the highlight reel of my life. And I sat there aghast, like, you know, oh my gosh. And I remember saying, why? Why, why did you let me continue like this? And over time, I began to understand why I was here and, and understand why the collective is here. Not that I know the whole picture, but I got a very detailed picture of my mission. After that, I went about my business kind of like I did every day, but I was drawn to learning the Christian Bible. Now, mind you, I had no understanding of this at all, you know, so what do you do? You pick up the book, you read, you start at the beginning, right? So let there be light, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I remember reading the Bible and thinking, okay, this is nice, you know, we're, we're, you know, and then flipping to the New Testament, which, <laughs> which was easier, <laughs> right? And thinking, oh, this is good, this is good. And then I remember getting a little indignant and a little, again, the self-entitled stuff came back, like, all right, you know this, now you've got to do something with this, go teach the word, you know, and, and I became what I refer to, and I say this with all respect, a holy roller. I went completely the other side. And in doing so, I became miserable again. This didn't fit. 
like, all right, I hear the words, I know the feeling, I'm, I get the context, of, you know, how this is written, I understand love, I could get, you know, but I really didn't get it because I was using it as a shield. I was throwing up the words in this, in this document, in this sacred book, and I was hiding behind them. And I still wasn't receiving who I came here to be. So I started to explore. I dabbled in spirituality. I found the Course in Miracles. Uh, actually, the book that turned me from that holy roller corner was Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love which is a very understandable, digestible um, synopsis or, or, or insight rather on, on A Course in Miracles. Very relatable to me where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I could have written this, you know? I finally had an understanding of something bigger that made sense to me. And I began to dig deeper. I'm a very curious person by nature. And I don't just take the easy answer. If the water's coming out of the spigot, uh, I need to knock the wall down, trace the pipes, uh, look at what the pipes are made of, go all the way down, go to the root, go to the water source. I need to know. And so I dug in wholeheartedly. And this was in, I'll say, late 1998-99-2000 and in those times learning wasn't what it is now you know you didn't just google up what you wanted to learn you, you, I became a voracious reader I took everything in I consumed as much spirituality as I could I was constantly at the bookstore and I realized uh, there's a better way for me to be you know and the word, the operative word there is be. I learned how to just be. And that was, that was pivotal in my life. So long story. <laughs> I love the, the aspect of be, to be. Because it, it gives you a lot of freedom that you wouldn't have had before, I believe. So I'm wondering, how did you experience that freedom? What did that entail? What happened? How, how did your life, your life must have changed because of being rather than forcing things. It must have changed the way you lived, the way you acted, what you did, and perhaps even, I'm curious. Um, it changed everything because when you grow up, the product of an alcoholic and someone who's mentally ill, there's a lot of instability. You, you're always living, planning, waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, trying to get a, 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 a step ahead, you know, kind of headed off at the pass. And I had lived my life like that, just, you know, being scared of what was, you know, I was, I was raised to live in fear. My father, um, 
I know this now because it's hindsight, but my father was terrified of everything and passed that on to us. But when I realized that all I had to do was exist and, and I'll use the term wake up, um, which for me, wake up means to step into the truth as I knew it from what I was being given. What, what, I mean, I, I don't believe that uh, a return to love came to me, you know, arbitrarily or, or without meaning. I mean, the book changed, I still have it and it's yellowed and it's earmarked and it's, you know, and off of that, I began to explore uh, the Tao, you know, uh, looking into that, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam. And I, I began to not, not become proficient in them, but just enough to know that the foundation of all of that is, is you, right? Just, just be, just show up and, you know, you're enough. You're enough the way you are. Um, over the course of time, as I uh, lightened up, if you will, um, life began to fall apart. I, uh, again, um, was in my late, mid to late 30s and had never been alone because women didn't go to school. They married men that went to school. Uh, they stayed home. They, you know, with the wife. Da, 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 da. Well, something didn't fit right for me there, and I began to rebel. And as a result, my marriage, uh, which I was sort of forced into, um, began to fall apart. And so here I was at age forty, with basic. Uh, life skills. I didn't even drive on the highway or merge on the highway or drive in snow or, and God forbid I go anywhere out of the five mile block I lived in, um, something will get me. So at age 40, uh, I found myself alone. I had kids very early. They were uh, on their way to college. And um, I was remembered walking into my girlfriend's house one day and I literally fell on her floor to my knees and sobbed and sobbed. Again, equivalent to my crashing my car, I've given up. I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't, you know. It was like something was bubbling up in me that I felt was a positive but at the same time, it, it didn't feel good. If, if you understand, if you can relate to, to what I mean by that, like I, I was excited because I knew there could be something really good. I had the memory of last time, but I was like, I, I, and I, I heard again, just be, just be. And I followed what I can only call my heart the time you know I wasn't thinking my way I wasn't analyzing my way through everything anymore I didn't have the bandwidth if that makes sense I felt like I was 
going crazy. So I just was like, all right, it's almost like, again, we're going to save you, but it's going to be this way. You're, you're going to have to listen to your heart, you know? And, and, and to me, that was kind of a foreign concept because, you know, listen to your heart, me being a literal person, which now I know it's very easy to do, but, um, listening to my heart, uh, I knew it was time to end the marriage. I knew it was time to live on my own. I knew it was time to figure out who I was. And it sounds so cliche, but I was everybody's definition. I didn't even know who I was at 40, 41, 42. I'll be 60 in October. And, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, when you meet a kid and they tell you they're eight and a half, right? I'm eight and a half or I'm 10 and a half. I say I'm 59 and a half. That's how excited I am to be 60. Um, I know now, um, as I look back, everything was divinely orchestrated. All I had to do, again, was that word, was just be. Be open, be present, be aware, be mindful, but above all else, just be. And that means silence, that means stillness. And listen, as you can imagine, my background, chaos, drama. And let me be clear, if there wasn't drama, don't worry, I would bring it. <laughs> I was the queen of drama, right? And this is so foreign to me because here I was at 45 years old, living a drama-free life. Oh, where was the drama? You know, um, it was, it was all kind of, I had to learn it all over, like, like a child learning to walk the first time, you know, I, you know, waking up in your bed alone, you know, for the first time and just saying, wow, I, I don't have to eat dinner tonight. Or, you know, I can, I can throw my clothes on the floor, <laughs> whatever silly stuff I wanted to do. Um, I always say I didn't, I didn't really grow up till I was about 40, 45 years old. So, uh, but once, once I got the hang of it, it was right on. So I hope that answers your question. It certainly gives us a lot more background to it, to the way it evolved and what it led to. And now you might want to go a little deeper into what it means to to have discovered this freedom and how you have been i don't know how you relate to people now because that must have changed too because you were before you were in the position i'm the wife i'm the mother i'm this and that right all these roles that you had and now you probably could reinvent your role completely what 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 did that lead to? What role did you take on, or did you let go of all roles, or what happened? So I also had a history of quitting. If things got too hard, I quit. I walked away. The only thing I didn't quit was being a mother, and there were times I just didn't do it very well. But um, I remember being alone and thinking.
you can't, you're not going to quit this. You know, you're not going to quit this. You know, you're, you're somewhere between this version of yourself. You can see a version of yourself over here, but you're in the abyss. And it was like I was in kind of a madness. Like I had one foot in one world, one foot in another world. I wasn't fully who I was yet. And um, I met this person that I worked with. And he was uh, actually my boss. And he was kind of like, hmm, I, I, I don't, I, I, there was a feeling about him. By this time, by 45, 46 years old, I began to feel people's energy, like consciously began to, to feel them. I could, uh, I, I won't say I could tell what they were thinking, but I, I could feel their vibe. I could get a, 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 a temperature of who they were. And I knew this man was sad. I knew there was something. And one day I was in his presence and after I had walked away, I heard, he needs an angel. And I, you know, kind of heard that and and I thought well I'm remember I'm between these you know I'm here in the hole I'm like yeah what you know and and prior to that I was a little self-destructive and anybody that was in the way was coming down with me well this man needed something and I was raw I was vulnerable uh, I didn't know that I had anything left to give uh, I certainly didn't sign up to be a savior, um, but I heard this man needs an angel. And I sat with that for a few weeks, maybe even a few months, and I would talk to what I call source, and source began to get louder and louder with me. In the moments of being, in the stillness, it's amazing how loud it can be. You know, it just, it's so profound. And so I focused for a little bit on this person and this comment, you know, he needs an angel. And, 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 and then I went like this. What if what intervened on, on my behalf was angelic? What if, you know, because I was putting it all together now, right? What if? This was the pay it forward. And then I went, oh, wait a minute. What, you want me to what? You know, and I, and, and, and I thought, no, 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 wrong, time out, wrong person, not going to do that. This person was very machismo, right? Very egoic, very, but, but I, but I knew. I knew what was going on because I was getting these little tidbits, very closed off. And so being in his presence, I had to be very careful about what would come out. Now, this was symbolic of my curiosity, right? Because you know something, you want to know it. Like, well, my, my knowing was what's the role here? What's, you know, what's it look like? And one day 
I just went up to this person and I just said to him casually, you need an angel and I'm going to be that angel. And I looked around the room and I said, where the heck did that come from? And he stopped in his tracks and I thought, oh gosh, I crossed the line, right? Because that was me. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, something doesn't, your heart feels heavy. And I began to tell the story of his life. And he's a very private person. And nobody, and he says, and he got really offended with me. And he says, how dare you? And, and then I, I put my tail between my legs and I walked away and I said, you told me, you told me, right? And I was like, you know, feeling sorry for myself. The next day, um, he said, you're right. You're right. And he walked away, and that was it. Fast forward, um, everybody that crossed my path, I could feel and know something about them. Not magically, um, you know, and sometimes, you know, you walk in the room and you feel, you can feel the vibe of the room and the pulse of the room, but I could feel intimacy with people where I had never ever experienced that because I was very closed off. You protect yourself at all costs. Vulnerability was not on the agenda for me. But I began to be this very vulnerable person and people started following me like almost like, hey, how you doing? You know, like everybody, like the, I felt like the Pied Piper, but not want, wanting anything from me, not, not like that. I would attract people. And so I began to wonder what's next, you know? And I uh, took it down a path of being literal and I went to school and I became a life coach, a spiritual life coach. And I began to use my life and all of the experiences um, to help people. Um, just a little fast forward on that story. The man that I became the angel to, um, we've now been married for 20 years <laughs> and we enjoy a blended family and uh, he really was a godsend to me. So just thought I'd share that. Wow, very, very touching story and very touching way of presenting it because it, it shows how, how, you know, you, you allowed to sit with this idea that you should, this guy needs an angel <laughs> and, and to allow yourself to sit with that so long and then it blurted out, right? And then it had to come out and then it went well, right? Which is which is beautiful, right? To say that it, in the end, it, it really worked out and turned into a marriage that you're happy with and everything. That's really amazing, right? And I think that's something that many of us want to to listen to, right? When we get these insight or these openings in ourselves, and, and to be, I think it was beautiful that you described how you were okay with sitting with it so long. I mean, it must have been hard, but still. You were able to do that and it still worked out because many people you know like 
okay, I get this guidance and then I don't follow it right away. Um, probably that's not good. Probably it will turn out bad, right? Blah, blah, blah. And you, but it turned out well. And that's an example of that. It's okay. You know, take your, if you need time, you take your time, right? And that was okay for the divine, for the, for the source where you were getting this guidance from and these insights. Absolutely. And that was a big lesson for me because I was always somebody who was immediate. You had to be. Growing up, it was about survival. If you didn't immediately take action when your parent was drunk, you know, you, you didn't know. Or, but, but I have one more really beautiful angel story, if you would indulge me to tell it. Um, in, in 2009, July 2009, my husband, um, my angel, had open heart surgery for the first time. And he was in the ICU. It was a very rigorous 13-hour operation. It was just beyond nerve-wracking for me. And there was, uh, I carried an angel medallion in my hand. I mean, the whole 13 hours, like, I just sat there with this angel in my, you know, just, and, and I knew everything was going to be okay. I knew it. But, you know, the human part. And there was this young man uh, and his family across the way from my husband's room. I could see diagonally into their room. And I had gone into the waiting room because they had asked us to leave the ICU. And this young man was sitting in there. And uh, we struck up a conversation. And, you know, he told me that his mother was having open heart surgery for the fifth time. She was rather young. Um, he was about... I'm going to say he was maybe 14, 15 years old. And, you know, we talked a little bit and I told him about my husband and, and, uh, we, we, you know, we were there days with each other and just, you know, we, our paths would intersect, but whenever mm -hmm. somebody had an experience or a, a, a code where they were, where they would get a code blue in the ICU unit, everybody had to leave. Like they just for respect and, you know, with, various reasons and so there there was a code and we all had to leave and I was by myself because this was in another city quite a distance from where I live and uh, so I was alone well I wasn't alone but I was physically alone and um, everybody came out and um, I saw uh, the doctors come out and they called this boy and his father over and they were talking and, you know, I was maybe 20, 20 feet away. We were all hovering there. And then, you know, we all kind of shuffled down the other end of the hall because we realized, you know, and um, very ominous look on the doctor's face. And, and you know, the, the child was, you could tell, grief stricken. And, and uh, I didn't know what was happening. And I was all the way at the other end of the hall. And I, I heard give him that angel and I went uh, no no I'm not going down there I'm not gonna get in that I don't even know what that is how could I interrupt with it and I'm questioning it right like go go and then I felt a hand on my lower back I'm I kid you not this hand 
ah, uh, you know, I can't, I don't want to look terrified as I'm walking towards these people, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm, I don't want to look happy either, but you know, something. So I'm like, and by the time I got to them, the doctor had gone away, and the just, and I didn't know these people, right? In, in this most intimate, vulnerable moment, here I come. Here I come with this angel in my hand. I could feel the palm of my hand was searing. It was so hot. I'm walking. I'm terrified. I'm shaking, literally. I'm, I, get, I, I get close to him, and the father looks up, and the son looks up, and I said, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, I, I just feel like I need to give you this. And I took the father's hand, and I put this angel in his hand, and I wrapped his fingers around it, and I held his hand with my hand. And I said, I'm praying for you. And I turned around, and I walked away. That was it. Can't catch my breath. I go back, we go back in the room, everybody's back in, a couple more days goes by. I could see into the mother's room from where I was. And she, she was still alive. I mean, they, they were still in there. And I saw, you know how the machine flatlines? I could see the machine and the machine flatlined. And the coating went off. And the father and the son ran out of the room, you know, ran out of the room. And I was off on the, on the corner. And at that moment, that son, that boy, ran right to me and jumped in my arms and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed like I'd never felt anybody sob before. And I just held him in my heart. And I went, you know, I, I said, I get it. I get it. I understand the meaning of life. And everything changed again. Again, everything changed again. Um, but, but, but thank you for indulging me and allowing that story. It's, it's very profound to me. It, it made an indelible, left an indelible mark on my heart. So you spoke, you, you understand the meaning, right, of life now. And so what would, do you have words for that or, or do, are you going to leave us with that? It's funny because I laugh because I started talking at nine months old and I got detentions for talking and I got expelled from school and I got, you know, all kind of, and, and the, the joke is I haven't shut up since. So of course I have some words. <laughs> uh, so, so, you know, when you say you have the meaning of life, it's like, yeah, everybody on the edge of their seats, right? They're like, what, what? Tell me what it is. Well, I can't, I can't tell you what it is. For you because that's a truth that you find within and it's a beautiful journey to get to the place where you can go ah I think that might be it 
oh, this feels like it. And then you become 59 and a half or thereabouts. And you begin to understand it's this beautiful tapestry of moments. And the meaning of life is woven in all of these little things that we do daily. And I would say for anybody listening, be mindful of your daily activities. Be mindful of how you enter your day. Be mindful of what you're contributing to the world. Because in all of those little things is your purpose. And when people come to me for my services, because I am a, a professional um, life coach, spiritual life coach, and, and other things, and when people come to me, the number one question they have is, why am I here? What's my purpose? And my only answer is, I'm here to hold a space full of light. I'm here to ask the right questions as spirit gives them to me. Because you already know your answer. I don't believe there's anybody out there that doesn't know why they're here. They may be confused about it. And they may not quite have it dusted off and polished up. And I can tell you this. It isn't necessarily your job. You know, people, people would say to me, oh, I'm going to leave my job because, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's my purpose. Are you sure that's why you want to leave your job? Or you just don't like sitting next to Susie on Tuesdays because she does this? Like, you know, really, like, what's the reason, right? Um, I happen to have been very blessed because I went on a quest, <laughs> if you will, on a mission. And... Um, Again, just being, just being, not knowing from anything. Uh, I had a wonderful job in a worldly sense, right? You know, the worldly stuff, benefits, that was hammered into me. You gotta have healthcare benefits, right? You gotta have good money. Money doesn't grow on trees, you know? And so I had the traditional nine to five job and and I was making great money working four days a week in dentistry. I was an office manager, financial person. Pretty soon, people started coming in to see me and not the dentist. <laughs> they, would make, they would sit with me in my office and the dentist would be like, what are you doing? I don't know, they're just coming in. Um, and so I thought at that point, um, I'm going to go work nonprofit because nonprofit will save the world. There's got to be purpose in nonprofit, right? No, I don't have any disparaging remarks about nonprofit because nonprofit, you know, in and of itself, it's an entity, but it's a, it's a, it's cumulative of the people that make it up. And so there's human humanity in it and you know, all of that. And so needless to say, I was a bit disappointed that, uh, 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 it wasn't all kumbaya and the skies didn't open up and, you know, angels didn't sing to me and all that. I saw a lot of, of sadness. Uh, I saw a lot of stories that just break my heart to this day. 
of underprivilege. So I went there, and then um, in about 2006, um, Spirit spoke again loud and clear. And um, are you ready? Are you ready? Ready for what? You know, I'm, I'm going to work. I'm, I'm doing my job. You know, the old grind. You're going to leave your job. Huh? Wait, I'm th- how am I going to eat? How am I, you know, I going to pay my bills? How am I going to, you know, you're going to leave your job. You're going to leave your job. What am I going to do? Well, you're in the process of becoming a spiritual coach. You're going to be a coach. You know, now, now, obviously, Spirit's not talking that clearly to me. Like, I'm piecemealing it together, right? And so um, (laughs) I went into work within the next few weeks because I sat with it and I quit my job. I jumped off the cliff and I went, oh my God, I'm soaring, I'm falling down the cliff, now what? And you know what? I didn't have a plan, I didn't have an answer. I'm not advocating for this because (laughs) slow down, you know, Um, I knew it was right for me in the moment, right? Somehow, some way, seriously, I got taken care of. I was able to piecemeal it together. I can remember being so poor that I had a dollar 43 in my checking account. Like there were days. Here comes the girl that would wear $200 shoes because, well, she could, right? To having a $1.43 in my checking account. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, but, I, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And so what I'll say to that is I went to spiritual life coaching school. I became a spiritual life coach. Rah, rah, rah. This is it, right? My, this husband I'm with now, we take a trip. We go, I promise this is going somewhere. I take a trip with my husband. We go to South Carolina. Now, I live in Pennsylvania, so we were way out of state. And we're sitting on the beach. And I looked up the beach, and I said to my husband, this girl's going to stop, and she's going to talk to us. And she's going to stay for a really long time. He goes, what are you talking about? What do you mean she's going to? I said, I don't know. It just, it just came to me. I just know she's going to. Well, sure enough, she walks up on us. And she starts talking. Like, I mean, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, out of my mouth comes this verbal synopsis of her life. I knew her boss's name, I knew her where she worked, I knew what she did. I did, did, did. And she stood there, the blood rushed out of her face. My husband, like, I thought he was going to fall off his beach chair. And it was just coming out. And it kept coming out. And she said to me, how do you know this? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. You know, and I'm apologizing for it. She stayed there for three hours. It kept going on and on. We kept a connection for the next year and a half. Like she was just astounded. I was astounded. What does this mean? What is my, then I go and do what I do. I de And I said, okay, what are you doing? You know, cause I have a, one of the things about me, I have a really great sense of humor. I'm really funny. I mean, 
I like, I, I'm hysterically funny, okay? So I talk to God's source in a way that, you know, is unique to me. What are you doing? Where are we going with this? Like, what, what does all of this mean? Okay, great. So I know, and, and, and I didn't get any answer with anything for a long time. But I just kept getting insights about things and, uh, and people. And I knew, I knew who it was time to release. I knew who it was time to kind of, you know, bring into the fold. I had kept them at bay. So I found that to be kind of interesting. So that, that's how my journey, my current present day journey got started. Thank you. That, that illustrates it really well. Thank you. Yeah. At this point, I will open up the floor for questions or comments or sharings if anyone wants to. I hope I didn't scare people. Well, let, let's say that's a humorous remark. <laughs> you know everything about us, so we don't have to be scared, right? <laughs> yeah, it, no. it is really funny. It's funny in a sense because you know when you when you tell your 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 depression era father you know that you're giving up this amazing job and you're going to become which now my official title is psychic medium <laughs> so when you say i'm you know it was like are you crazy um perhaps Go ahead, Julie. Hi. Hi. I've enjoyed your um, storytelling. You're a really wonderful storyteller. You are. You just, you keep me going along with you. Um, I'm a, I'm a psychotherapist and um, a lot of what you are saying is resonating with me and how I'm trying to help my cl uh, clients by, you know, I talk about it, uh, about being self-aware, but I'm very much into helping people listen to their intuition. And I wonder if in your work with clients, uh, how do you help them here? You know, because you have this source coming through you. How do you help other people find theirs? That, that's a great, a great question. And, and by the way, um, again, this was very unintentional. I work with a lot of psychotherapists. I am not a psychotherapist. And I always say I never pretend to be. Uh, perhaps in a past life, but, um, you know, when a client works with me, I always liken it to this. We're taking a walk. We're taking a journey, right? And we're going to go into a story that is you, you know? And when you begin to give room for people to tell their story and, and you know, you can ask the right questions, you get in just a space where people, I, I can see it in their faces, they get that aha moment. And one of the things that I am 1 million percent certain of 
I'm not special. This isn't a gift. This is an ability that I've honed, that I've crafted. Every single person was created with a, 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 an inner mechanism, if you will, an inner GPS to, to have access to something. But we have all of that conditioning over top of us that, you know, maybe some people are saying, oh, it's silly. Or what I get a lot is, how do I know if it's me or if it's, if it's something outside of me, spirit, my intuition, psychic ability? And, and this is the answer spirit gave me to give. Spirit is very subtle. And spirit is very uh, repetitious, right? And, and very soft in its delivery, so much so that you can almost miss it. Where ego or conditioning is very loud, it's anxious, and it has that, do it, do it, do it, you know, in it. And, and so I tell people, where's the quiet in you? Where's the stillness? Where's your stuff? And people will say, well, I can't get still. And let me be clear and say, I am not that person that goes to the mountaintop and meditates. I can't do that. I don't, I can't. I'm, I've never been that person. I don't oom and ah. I'm not, I'm not her. What I can do is every morning get up, sip my coffee, look at the candle flame, focus on the word love, and be present. And that's when my answers for the day, for me, flow in. And I tell that story to people very clearly. Um, I'm actually opening a psychic development academy, and it's not going to be anything woo-woo, and it's not going to be anything that's out of reach for everybody, because I want this to be mainstream. I want people not to need me. That's my goal. So, you know, when I can, you know, and, and I don't know why this is, but when I can see something about someone, that they've not been able to see, it's almost like I go here, this is a gift, take it. Will you accept this gift from me? And the gift is I'm giving them awareness because it's always been there, right? I didn't just see that you're, oh my God, you're a great this, that, or the other thing. I'm just turning the light on. I'm giving you awareness. You know, it, I, I, I'm the kind of person, this is so funny because I go in the grocery store and this woman comes up to me and she's, she comes over and she says, so I've been following you around. And I thought, well, I looked at her and said, what? She goes, no, 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 not in a creepy way. She says, you have this thing about you. She said, everybody smiles at you. Everybody, you know, you even hug that guy over there. I don't know if you knew him, but, and, and she said, what's your secret? And you know what I said? I love being alive. I love being alive. And here's the thing. It's infectious. Catch this, if you will. Right? I love, love, love being alive. And so when I can meet my clients with that energy of I love being alive, it's almost by osmosis that, you know, that I, I tell you how many emails I get with, you know, that one session and changed everything. Da, 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 da. I said, no, I just simply held space. That's all. So I don't know, Julie, long way around the block, but did it help? <laughs> did it answer your question?
Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it, it, it resonates a lot with, um, you know, what I'm trying to do with my clients and finding my way to do it. Um, but yeah, it's it, the self-awareness thing. It's really made me have some new thoughts. So thank you. Now I'll ask a question because you say your official title is psychic medium. Um, would you like to bring through a message for for the listeners, whoever they may be now and in the future? That that's great. Um, I feel like it's like you know, um, it's like the it's like the angel going, "Go do this," you know, and you're like. You know, I do, you do you do it every day, but you know, um, so very eloquently in my mind's eye, there was a swoosh that came in, and it was the energy of Archangel Gabriel, and this beautiful iridescent being said. Every step you take gets you closer to the joy that you were born into. Be mindful of how you take the journey. Don't get caught in the trivial stuff. It's only temporary. So when I get messages like that, um, I inevitably I'm covered with goosebumps and um, I know there's something in that for me, you know, so it's every time I give a message, every time I do a session, um, I, I get tenfold from it, you know, um, you know, people, people have a, a, a misunderstanding and, and this is part of my mission also to educate what this work really is because you know when I first heard the term psychic I pictured a neon sign on the front lawn and you know I had my crystal ball and my turban and there's nothing wrong with that if that's your jam totally go for it like nothing wrong with that it's not me it is so not me I could I hid I hid that for a very long time and so my husband's very Catholic. I respect his religion. Um, and he said to me, I, I said to him, what do you think of this, you know, being Catholic? And he said, what's to think? He said, I hear you. I see you. I live with you 24-7. I know what you're doing. You're authentic. You're real. And I looked at him and, you know, and, and, and every minute of this man's existence, he's done nothing but support me. And even in the days when, you know, I, I, I wanted to quit, you know, um, he's been a light. Um, so I said, well, let's have the priest over for dinner. And he said, okay, you know, and we, we get the priest to come over for dinner. And I, and I said, I looked at him and I said, what do you think we're going to talk about? And he looked at me and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> I, said, I said, no, 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 it'll be all right. I'll, you know, so I 
told the priest what I did. And I, you know, I explained it. I even gave him a sample of it with himself. And the priest, and I looked at the priest and I said, did you bring your holy water? Am I getting a bath? <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, it's your gift from God. It's your gift from God. That's it. That's all I'll say. And I was like, well, here we go. You know? <laughs> so that's my story with the Catholic Church and psychics. <laughs> that's a cool story. That, that it shows that that this this respecting that one is an equal, that we are all equal and we are all given these special functions in the world as the Holy, as it's called in A Course in Miracles, right? Each of us is unique because of their special function. That's what God could give us when we decided we thought we had to be separate from the, our creator. He, he couldn't give us um, that to be true, right? But we could have a dream of separation. And in that dream, the way home that he gave us was the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit um, in the way it brings us home um, it can, the gifts do appear. And so there's people because of the special function that we have to fulfill. So, so yes, I, I think that's really beautiful the way you describe that and how the priest was able to see the naturalness of it, the, the normalcy of it, right? Because that's what you do. It helps people and it's good. And there's no woo woo about it in your case. Right. And, and I think it generally, that that's the that depends on how your special function is to play out what it looks like right but for for me i i understand the course of miracles is all about equality so we all are equal and we all are infinitely valuable that's what i love about your saying i love my life i love living right and i think that's something that's some many of us need to realize that there is a place in us that can say I love living, right? And 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 feel very good with that. And you're you're demonstrating that and that, that holds a space for that place within each one of us, right? When they when they need it, right? You know, um I I I always tell my clients, don't drink my Kool-Aid. You know, I, I don't follow me. Don't look at me as a guru because dear God, I am, I am far from guru material. I mean, I'm just a person walking the path as best she can. And, you know, just trying to make the world a little bit better every day I get up. You know, somebody said to me, what do you want your legacy to be? And I thought about it, and you know, I want my legacy to be kindness. When, when I'm gone, I want people to remember me as somebody who was kind. Kind to animals, kind to people, kind to strangers, kind to herself. I just want to be, I want to be kind. And you know, everybody says to me, you know, it's funny because people think that I can see the winning lottery numbers. I mean, it doesn't work like that, okay? And people think that, you know, I can, uh, you know, 
hypothesize what 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 tomorrow is going to be. No, 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 no. No one knows that. No one can know that. Um, but what I do know is that tomorrow is going to be more of the same unless you change today. So if you are looking for an answer to all of this madness that's out there, start right here. Start right here at home in your own heart. You know, people, there's a saying that uh, I love, uh, everywhere you go, there you are. So what's that mean to you? Everywhere you go, there you are. Are you happy with that? You know, people, there was this, there's also a story where um, somebody moves to a small town. What are the people like here? Well, the people where I came from, they were promotions. And if that's what you saw where you came from, that's all you're going to see where you are. Everything you see comes from your own heart. You and I can look at the same situation and we can see completely different things. You know, truth is subjective. What I see is truth. You may say, well, that's not really true for me. And that's cool. That's personal truth. Universal truth. There ain't no denying that. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. Tide comes in, the tide goes out, right? That's a universal truth. Those things are truths, universal truths. Personal truth is subjective. So when you're creating your personal truth, what you believe, what are you basing it on? You know, is it the life you live? Is it the conditioning? You know, if I use this really silly example, if I was taught that every time the pizza delivery guy knocked on the door that, you know, you punch him in the nose, you know, I'm going to punch him in the nose and I'm going to be doing what I think is the right thing. And then my kids are going to see me punch the pizza guy in the nose. They're going to punch, and then their kids are going to punch the pizza guy in the nose. And the reality is, how we be in the world is important because everybody's looking. And I don't mean from a, oh, what are they going to say about me? They're looking because everybody's looking for something, right? Everybody's looking to be something. And all they know how to be is their conditioning. And so maybe they'll get a glimpse of somebody who will put an angel in a, in a man's hand. And by the way, just the closure of that story, I, I, just, I just remembered it. After she died, he came, he came running to me. I apologize, I forgot this part. He, the, the boy came over, he came running to me. Um, the dad came and retrieved him. Uh, a couple hours later, I was sitting down in the waiting room and... Um, the dad came up to me and I thought, mm, you know, what's he going to say? And I said, you know, I'll express my condolences and I'm very sorry. And he had tears in his eyes, obviously. And he said to me, I want to tell you something. And he says, I don't talk about this a lot. In fact, I don't think I've ever talked about this. He said, I was raised Jewish. Doesn't mean anything to me, he said, because I never believed in God. And I said, okay, 
you know, I, I didn't have any, any kind of reaction. And then he finished it with, until you put that angel in my hand, I began to believe that it was something. I had the hair on my arm still stands up and that was in 2009. And it's like, isn't that what it's all about? Sharing love? God is love. You know, this religion marks it this, and that religion marks it that, and this, 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 this. What's the core of it all? The core of it all is love. Nature, Mama Earth. I love, I mean, like I'm sitting here, and there's a massive trees outside my room. I talk to the wind. The wind talks back, you know? The water speaks to me. It's just this incredible, every fiber, every cell of my being feels alive. And I think that's a great way to live. And if I can just give a little bit of that to somebody, why not? I think this, there's a big question in that that comes up in my mind is because in A Course in Miracles, it says we can all agree that we want to be perfectly happy. But the next thing is, how did you come to feel worthy of being perfectly happy that everyone is worthy of that? Because you're saying you can get, you can show this to people and maybe they will pick it up, right? So you must be believing that they're worthy of being perfectly happy or being happy with their lives or whatever, right? So how did you move through that? Because that's that's a barrier I think that comes up in many people's minds. It started with a decision that I had to make. You know, free will is choice, right? God loved us so much, he said, here, have all the free will, all the choice you want, right? So I had to make a decision. Was I gonna continue to be this naysayer, victim, low vibrating, physically sick individual? Because I didn't, that wasn't fun, right? Or could there be another way to be? Again, this curiosity came in. And I thought, well, what's it going to take? Like, what? I bought one more couch. I bought one more car. That didn't do it. I had designer bags. I had designer shoes. I went, I, like, no, it, like nothing. I mean, when I tell you, I ran myself into $30,000 worth of credit card debt trying to be happy. I mean, I would love a show of hands of how many people have been there because I there's probably not a human that hasn't tried to buy a feeling of happiness, right? So you get to the end of the line <laughs> and you're like, I can't buy one more thing. What must it be? And then you begin to scratch your head, if you're me, and you begin to sit again in silence. And if it's not this and it's not that, and then a memory comes from 1970. Now, I didn't have a lot of happy memories. And this memory came in so strong I could smell the evening dew 
on the grass at my grandmother's home in the country. I could smell it. And here it was, 2008, 9, 10, whatever. I could smell it as if I were sitting there on the lawn as I did every night. I could see the lightning bugs. I could see the stars. And I could feel the ladybug crawling on my hand. And I, I was transported to this simplicity. That's what was missing from my life, simplicity. It really wasn't a decision to be happy. It was a decision to be simple. And so having stuff wasn't simple because then it became, well, where are you going to put it? What are you going to do with your old stuff? How are you going to pay for your stuff? You know? And then when you get so much stuff, you need a bigger house. And it's like, I, 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 I just, I stopped chasing it and let simplicity find me. And now my motto is, if it ain't simple, I ain't doing it. And I truly, truly mean that. I am a big proponent of values. I wasn't raised with, I didn't know what values were. What do you mean values, right? So I, I began to look at myself and say, well, what are your values? And then I began to look at the life that I was living and I thought, ooh, they're not very good values, you know? Um, and so my value, one of my main values right now, it, well, simplicity, but freedom. I value freedom. I mean, so much so that if my husband and I have an event to go to together and I feel like I feel like I'm going to be confined because my husband's a lingerer. He, he, he talks to everybody and lingers and I'm like, I want to get out. I take my own car. That protects my value of freedom. So at all costs, I will know that I have this value intact. So I would say to the listeners right now, a great place to start this journey of self-awareness is what do you value? Come up with the top four values for your life. You know, I, I value family, family above everything, right? Like, what does that mean? Well, some days are for families and, and this is what it looks like. And if you ask most people, what do they value? I found this interesting. When I asked most people, my clients, what do they value? They didn't really know how to answer. And, and listen, I no judgment because I was there. I find myself now printing out and sending a list of values to help people because they really don't know how to think about what they value. So, you know, again, the answer is I wasn't chasing happiness. I was chasing simplicity, but I didn't really know it. I didn't, I didn't know life to be simple. I was the drama queen. Yeah, I think that's a very helpful answer <laughs> with your example. Yeah. So it was not so much about um, saying, okay, I deserve it, but a decision to re respect the joy that you found in simplicity. 
and, and remembering those moments where you had already experienced it and expanding on it. I think also the topic of values, I think, is a very important one. And um, so, yeah, what do you value? Because that's what you're experiencing usually, where you place your values. You know, I, I had an encounter uh, with my own soul. Um, and I had an encounter with a departing soul. And what's interesting to me was there was no discernible difference, meaning it's energy, right? It's the soul. Like it just doesn't matter. It's coming, it's going, it's whatever. I can remember in 1998-ish, sitting on a rock on the ocean's edge in Rockport, Massachusetts. And there was this feeling of completeness. Now, I hadn't gone through the whole 40 thing yet. I, it, it, I didn't get to that part yet in my life. This was the beginning of it. And there was this completeness, this, okay, I'm here, I'm in the present moment. I looked out at the ocean and I could just see forever. Like it, it was something. And all of a sudden, I turned my cheek to look the other way and this beam of sunlight just pierced me. It was so incredibly warm on my face. And it, it was like a late October day and it was chilly by the water. And, and again, this familiar warmth came to me. And, and I heard, it's your soul, it's your soul, it's your soul. Of course, I didn't tell anybody, you know, you know, now I tell the story, but then, you know, if I had told the story. And so I, it, in hindsight, it's like all of these little moments. But you know what the key was? I was receptive to it. I was like this. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. You know, um, somebody said to me, I, I do a YouTube show and um, one of the main features on this YouTube show as a medium. And they found me because I, what's a medium? Well, a medium talks to the dead, right? The medium, you know, no, I don't do that. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to do that, you know? So this woman, I didn't know it was an interview. She was interviewing me, or I thought, I thought it was an interview. She was taping it live for a segment. I didn't know that. I thought she was interviewing me to see if I was even legit which I didn't think, by the way, I was. Um, so she did this, this segment, and, and she asked me, can you bring in my deceased son, which is the premise of the show. I never heard of this person. Never, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, you know but, and all of a sudden, I started hearing this voice talk to me, and I started getting these very specific pieces of information that I gave to this woman. Like, what? Where is this coming from, right? This is a whole new aspect because the psychicness is within me, right? I could, it's a knowing, it's a feeling, it's a plugging in of spirit telling, whatever you call that. The mediumship is, here's a kid whose feet smell like Fritos and he's telling me my feet smell like Fritos. Tell my mom, she'll know. And I'm like, I'm not saying that to your mother. Like how, 
And sure enough, she knew. So long story short, this was an episode for the show. And I, nothing happened. Like it didn't come, it didn't go anywhere for like three, four weeks. And I finally get an email from her saying, I'm airing your episode tonight. What episode? You know, and she tells me like, oh man, oh my God. You know, I was so humiliated. The next morning I woke up with 100 requests for readings in my inbox. Who knew? I am just astounded, astounded of how the universe has put this all into order. It's just quite amazing to me. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> and a big surprise, of course, <laughs> for you when it happened. <laughs> Yeah, we, we all are excited. We don't know what what the will come, right? How things will develop, right? But I think your your story illustrates very well that it can it deepens into ever more peace and joy and happiness and and understanding and this this compassion and for for everyone, right? And this willingness to engage with with that in ways that are comfortable for you, like being kind, right? But also in ways that you were not aware that would be comfortable, become comfortable to you with time. And we're not at the time, the first times it happened, right? <laughs> you know, here's a question for you and for, for the listeners. Do you think a dog thinks it can't catch its tail? If the dog thought it couldn't catch its tail, would it keep chasing it? There's always hope that the dog's going to catch its tail, right? So you just keep going and you just keep going and you're like, one day I'm going to catch that tail. One day I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get where I'm going one day. Even if you don't know where you're going, because guess what? There's something bigger that Trust the process of being. That's it. That's it. You know, if you could bottle that, that that would be it right there. That's everything. Yeah, and in a course in miracles, it says the the one in the manual for teachers, it speaks of the qualities that a, a teacher of God has, right? And the first quality is trust. So I love that you put that as a as a remark to to leave us with when we think of this conversation. You know, it's again, it didn't come easy to me. And and I and 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 I don't think necessarily that it's supposed to be easy. I think as human beings, we need duality. Right? We need to see one side versus the other side. And then we engage free will, right? It's never a guarantee because free will rules everything. You know, you, you know, I can see this side of who I was in the, in the 80s, right? And being who I was. And, 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 and then I could have said, you know what? 
I don't care what happened in that car in November of 96. I don't care about that. I made the choice to be curious. And if there's something in your life that you feel is missing, and that's another thing I get, something feels missing, explore it. Don't just poo-poo it off and say, oh, it must be me. I'm having a bad day. No, if something feels like it's missing, your intuition, your higher self is trying to come through. Honor it. Listen to it. Quick, quick story. I was on an airplane and uh, I was flying to Florida to watch my son graduate from pharmacy school. I wasn't missing that for anything, right? Very late at night and I was flying alone. And uh, I get on the plane, I have an aisle seat, and this guy comes walking on the plane. And I, I, I have this thing for shoes, I don't know. So I look down and I said, oh, he's got nice shoes on. I hope, I hope he sits across the aisle from me. He looks like he's going to be a good conversationalist, you know. Sure enough, he sits across the aisle from me and he begins to talk. And, you know, we're he owns three businesses and he's this dynamic, charismatic conversationalist. And I'm loving it, right? I'm getting... And he says to me, when the flight attendant starts to bring the drink cart, can I buy you a drink? And I said, no, no, thank you. I, you know, I'm good. I, I don't, I mean, it just wasn't my thing. You're not buying me a drink. I'm married, whatever. I didn't go that far into it, but um, he kept asking. He wouldn't stop asking me to buy me a drink. And I looked at him. I turned my head. I looked him dead in the eyes. And I said, how many times have you been in jail? And he sat back in his seat and he looked at me and he said, three. And he turned his head forward. He never said another word the rest of the flight to me. We go to get off the plane and he said, he turns around and he says to me, how did you know? And I said, because I know things. <laughs> so that was my intuition. And I chose to be courageous enough to say it. Intuition will save you. Let it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. So before we wrap up, are there any questions or comments or sharings that want to come up before we wrap it up? Oh, hello. I didn't know if I was on mute. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm I'm working a lot in my own life here about self-awareness and um, you know, you, you just seem so joyful about living in the present and letting things come to you. It's it's just been such a good reminder because I get bogged down in my own life here about what was me or, you know, worrying about things and it's very hard to have that spark of life, you know, that you described um, when, when you're doing all that. So you've given me a lot to think about. Do you, I know you said you do podcasts. Do you do any writing or anything? Um, it's funny because I do a lot of talking uh, <laughs> and spirit has said it's time for the written word. So I just started producing a newsletter every other week so twice a month i i do uh, my site's veronicadrake.com you can get my newsletter there but um i have a feeling spirit has a lot more in store for me so i'm sure julieville will be a lot more coming great great 
<laughs> all right. Thanks, Monica. This is wonderful. Thank you for all that you're doing. Yes. Yeah, so thank you, Veronica. Thank you, all listeners. You know, at whatever time you're going to listen, I hope you enjoy uh, this conversation as we did. <laughs> uh, and I hope it, it inspires you and strengthens you in whatever way you need it. And please remember to share the word about the podcast, review it, subscribe, and also, Veronica will be giving me her links, so you can also find that in the show notes so that you can contact her if that's what you want to do. And you can always decide to join live when I have the recording every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Central European time. So have a wonderful time, and thank you so much, Veronica.